0: Destroy them with double destruction. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Wizard of Oz. The Tin Man asked this question to Dorothy. What have you learned, Dorothy? After losing her dog, getting it back, living through a Kansas tornado, the wonders of Munchkin land, making three new friends, running from the Wicked Witch of the West, finally killing her, watching the air balloon, her transportation mode, fly away, She finally figures out it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard, she said. Well, we've been going through the full story now for six full months, if you've been following along, since January. If you missed anything, of course, you can go online. Everything's archived. It's wonderful. You can always catch up. And we should be able to answer that question as a church family, don't you think? What have God's people learned by the 7th century B.C.? After going through all these incredible stories that we've been reading, we've been listening to sermons, we've been in small groups tearing things apart, putting them back together, hopefully. What have God's people learned? Let's just tell the truth nothing absolutely nothing every time they keep making the same mistake so in a way when we get to Jeremiah we're like man this is going to be a bummer of a book right man it's nothing but bad news again they never listen to the word of the Lord they just keep on making these mistakes but yet there's always this glimmer of hope because we have an awesome God that we've been singing about, that we've been praying to and praying with. Is it any wonder that we call Jeremiah the weeping prophet, (laughs) crybaby? Yeah, because his heart is broken. Because, God, I told them what you told me to tell them, and they're ridiculing me for it. Why don't they take it out on you? Guess what? They actually were. Whatever we think is raw and harsh and hurtful in Jeremiah, he's just expressing God's heart is broken because his people were saying, on you. We'd rather serve the Baals. We'd rather chase other gods. If you go through the the online study there's a video for each section that we're in and we're into a new section now and I know Jeremiah is a lengthy book but we're going to see that the people broke covenant with God by worshiping other gods their corrupt leaders social injustice and even child sacrifice Jeremiah told them hey guys Babylon is coming." Isn't it amazing that God always used foreign nations to bring about punishment and discipline when God's people said, yeah, we got it. We'll do our own thing. And how quickly that happened, at least in God's perspective. We do know the glimmer of hope that there's going to be 70 years in exile, but there is hope for the future and a return To the land, Jeremiah would prophesy this. They didn't believe it at the time. That's why when Steve read, they're saying, "Hey, where's the word of the Lord?" You've been saying all this stuff's going to happen. Where is it? Don't say that. You know he's. Haven't you been paying attention? Haven't you been listening? Well, what could we learn from such a dark, dismal, disastrous group of people? Well, hopefully. Three simple things, and this text that we're having today falls naturally into to three areas, so it's real easy to, to share. I say easy to share. It's, it's really not. If you think about everything that we're doing today, we've got a mirror in front of us, and we're going to be looking at our own hearts as well as seeing what God did with, with his people. The first thing I want to share this morning is that trust in human resource ends in divine cursing. Trust in human resource ends in divine cursing to make it even easier. The fill-ins are the first is going to have an R word and the second is going to have a C word. That's this the way I think now. I, besides preaching and teaching with kids all the time, I, you need to have these little uh, memory devices. So there you go. Whether we like it or not, when we choose to say, God, I want to do it my way, we're going to fall into that area of cursing. Now that sounds harsh, in the year 2021, we think we've got other ways of saying things, but the Bible says there's two paths and God has already set out the world and says, if you go this way, I've designed it with incredible abundant life and eternal life, you're gonna get blessed. But if you go this way, I'm just warning you, there's gonna be cursing. So we'll just take it the way the Bible says it. When we trust in the flesh for strength, The Bible says we are doomed. God set up this universe when we do it our own way, cursing. Jeremiah was born and raised under Assyrian domination. Assyria was this incredible, mighty empire at the time. It's hard to understand Jeremiah with understanding what's going on in the whole world at that time. The wicked King Manasseh was the guy on the throne when when he was a kid. And we think that Jeremiah heard the call of the Lord around 627, maybe a teenager. You think about that when every time that we have things for kids and teenagers in our church, shouldn't we be expecting them to listen to God? God's going to be reaching out to them. Isn't that the time to hear God's voice? It's so much easier when you're younger as an adult, don't we know, man, we get stuck in our ways. It's harder to hear God's voice unless you've trained yourself over your life. So, man, let's just keep pouring it on. Kids and teenagers, we want you to hear God's word for you. That's a good spot for an amen there, don't you think? Yeah, thank you. The previous year, before Jeremiah answers this call, King Josiah was the king, and he was a pretty much a good king in the list of all these kings uh, during the time. And, and they stumbled across the book of the Lord, if you will, the, the Bible, we would say. They weren't following the Bible, and they stumbled across this as they were going through these old places in God's house. And so he instituted this reform, this revival, if you will, for a short time. People were like, yeah, let's follow the ways of the Lord. And great things were happening. But it would be short-lived as Josiah would die too early, really, in 609 B.C. because he went out to meet Pharaoh Necho II, who was the king of Egypt, in a place called uh, Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo, and all the great battles in Israel's history took place in that it's just a perfect place. It's a plain, it's a flat place. You can fight there. And so he goes there to meet him, and of course he ends up dying. Did he have to go there? No. Did God tell him to go there? No. And maybe he went out there because he had an arrangement with the Assyrians, and he said, I'm not going to let Egypt go through our land to go up to meet the Assyrians. The Assyrians were on their last leg, anyways. So he goes out there, he dies, and the, oh, great, a, a good king dies. Guess what? We're going to end up with some bad kings again. And it seems like whatever the leaders did, that's the way the country would go. Interesting, don't you think? Man, should we be praying for leaders in our own congregation, in our government, in our country? Good grief. It's amazing how things change with how leaders listen to the Lord. Well, Jehoahaz was appointed king, and that lasted about three months only. And his brother was named Eliakim. They changed his name to Jehoiakim, he was also wicked. And Egypt was finally defeated at this incredible historical moment in 605. If you ever take any history, 605 B.C. will always be there for you. 605 B.C. is the Battle of Carchemish. And uh, a general there made his name famous there. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Later on, you know him. He'll show up again, right? If you don't know him, watch Veggie Tales. Uh, he's, (laughs) He's big there. Your kids probably know him better than you do. And the very empire that Jeremiah prophesied, Babylon, that's the one that's going to come and just lay waste to Judah. They were already divided. The north was already gone and God's working through Judah now and Jeremiah's winning friends and influencing people not by saying Babylon's going to come and do the same thing to you that they did to the north. When we trust and obey God, the result is blessing. When we say, God, thank you, we'll do it our own way, the result is going to be cursing. There is not like a third path. Judah obviously chose what they wanted. They turned away from the Lord. Uh, We already read this in our study in Proverbs 28, 26. Quick reminder, whoever trusts in his own mind is a what? A fool. Bible never minces words but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered most of the things who Jeremiah the kings who he served under were not wise the nation ended up paying the price so we want to think you know I'm pretty smart we've got this thing figured out Jesus himself would say this I'm the vine you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's all say that together. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we, are we listening? (laughs) Nothing, that's zero. That means if you're playing in a baseball game today and the other team gets one and you get nothing, you lose. Unless you're playing that one league where everybody's a winner and all that. But that's another story. <laughs> in real life today on TV, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And that's what happens in what we're reading in the Bible. Nothing that should be scary should warn us. Jesus said, apart from me, apart from leading on me, apart from abiding in me, you can do nothing. But how many times does our little human brain, maybe with the help of the enemy and the world, In the past, we say, oh, God, but I think I got this. I'm gonna trust in my human resource, not in you. Ooh. At the end of each section, I wanna say a life lesson, an LL. And the life lesson for number one is look at the plant. Look at the plant, right? Jeremiah gave a metaphor. The Bible is filled. The teachings in the Bible, are they just use things of everyday life. He says, if you guys go this way, if you don't obey the Lord, you're a shrub. You're just a dry. Don't raise your hand, but think about it. There may be times where you have felt this way. I just kind of feel like a shrub. My life is so dry. You might be even that way today. I, I can't give anything. I'm so dry. I'm so needy. Well, they were in that condition. You can relate. But Jeremiah also said, hey, but those who trust in the Lord, guess what? You're going to be a tree that's planted by water. And no matter what happens, might be a season of drought, difficult time, might have some crazy bugs, all the stories in the Bible about locusts and stuff, as long as you're attached to the water... You're still going to be able to flourish. You're going to make it through those difficult times. And I love the stories in the Bible that encourage us that these men and women and young people, even though like the most crazy odds, God showed up and did amazing miracles through their lives. And the the Bible is preserved to read us. And we should have our own stories, right, of, God, I can't believe. That's what's so great about being in a community of faith. We get to listen. Guess what happened to me? And the, the smaller of a group that you're engaged in, instead of just the mass on Sunday morning or online, that, that's a great place to, like, start and keep things going. But at some point, you've got to get it down to a smaller group of people where you can share your life. Because when you hear somebody say, guess what happened to me? <laughs> you're like, whoa, God is real. And then that will encourage you. And maybe you'll get the guts to say, well, this is my story. Amazing. So we got a choice, obviously, with that one. Even during drought, difficult times, we can still have growth. The second thing we want to see today is that the human rough heart, it's not really good English, but it gets the point across, requires divine changing. And I believe me, every word in there is chosen very carefully. The human rough heart requires, not like, eh, If you want to think about it, you can. Divine changing. In Jeremiah's discourse, he says, who can understand it, this deceitful heart, this this heart that's sick, this hard heart? Who can understand it? Well, he doesn't really answer it, but the very next verse, oh, the Lord, which means, guess what, the answer is the Lord I love the rhetorical questions in the bible right and and some of you guys you use this in your life with your kids i've heard you say that you know and sometimes they'll be tempted to no need to answer that's a rhetorical question in other words the answer is implied by how you ask it who can understand it no one except the lord It's interesting that even the great patriarch Jacob, that the root definition of his name is that same there, the deceit and hard. How much like to have your name every time somebody calls your name out as a kid on the playground? Hey, great deceiver. Hey, you deceitful one. Why did his parents ever do that? Oh, did you hear the story? His brother and stuff, he grabs his brother at birth and he yanks him in so he can be what? heel grabber, right? Jacob and Esau. Man, he had to live that down, and of course it took a cool WWE match with, I think, the Lord to change his mind, and he walked with maybe a hip problem the rest of his life, and some of us can relate to that. The great thing in our past that God finally got our attention changed our heart because it was so deceitful. God had been dealing with with this, with his people. It wasn't anything new when Jeremiah showed up, right? Nothing new under the sun. Well, this reminds me of one of the many stories of my life in college, where a group of us wanted to spice things up. Every year at the end of the year, we had an awards chapel. I went to a Christian institution down in Riverside, California. I won't say any more names, just in case people get in trouble. And we thought that a greased pig let loose in the awards chapel would be a, an exciting adventure. <laughs> the problem with that is we didn't realize, being 19, 20-year-olds, that when you go to purchase the pig and you have to keep it on your wing so that nobody knows it three days before the chapel... We didn't realize. I felt like the stupid kid in the the kitchen that's like, he doesn't know that sound travels when he reaches into the cookie jar. Well, I think we were thinking, you know, the resident assistants, the RAs were probably like the parent that doesn't know that. So we pranked music. We yelled and screamed to cover up (laughs) for three days, and nobody knew that we had this. When they would come by for a check, of course, the smell didn't give it away because guy's dorms smell that way anyways. <laughs> so we pulled it off, and, but talk about the deceit that it took to do that. And then once it happened, they lined everybody up, you know, I don't know, 20-some guys, one by one under a lamp on a hot riverside day. What do you know? Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> And it's like the game, you know, the garden, right, Adam, then Eve, then Satan. The guy at the end doesn't have anybody to point to, and I think the guy's name was Mark, and so he took the fall, and he got kicked out for a semester, paid the price, and uh, that like edged in my mind about, man, don't do that. That is just an example of how sick and deceitful the heart can be, even when you're thinking you're just going to joke around. The college guy's heart is deceitful and sick. Who can understand it? (laughs) Later in Jeremiah, we encounter these words from Jeremiah 31, 33. There's some good news in Jeremiah, by the way. He's gonna, later, he's going to say this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law... Within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There, there were five covenants all before that, when you study the whole Old Testament. And the, finally, the last covenant is this one that God has been preparing since before the foundation of the world that involved Christ, of course, and involved the Holy Spirit coming and actually changing our hearts. An, an amazing plan that only the eternal God could pull off. And when you look through human history, it's, it's really amazing. Because every time we tried to live by the law, we ended up breaking it. And God says, that's not going to work. We actually have to change the heart, the motivator, and then it will take care of itself. You see, California can make, Washington, D.C. can make 100,000 new laws every day it isn't going to change human behavior. So the beginning premise is kind of faulty if all of our legislators believe, oh, people are basically good. Now it sounds good, I wanna believe that, believe me, I do. But by observation and looking in the mirror at my own life and reading history, how could you be so stupid? Don't you know human beings? Have you been a parent? <laughs> just become a parent. You will know when you meet the two-year-old. The human heart is deceitful and wicked and sick. <laughs> you know it's true. So for all the young couples, I apologize. I don't want to scare you from like having kids. It's just a little bump you have to get over. <laughs> God gives you... Incredible strength during those years, right? He does. And being a grandparent now, now you just like smile. (laughs) It's so cool just to be able to look in this general direction, right? All right. (laughs) Well, I always wanted Jesus' word too. Did Jesus say anything about this? He did in John 3.3. Jesus would say it like this, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, unless there's been a change, you're not going to see the things that God has prepared. Amen. Wow! And he said that early on in his ministry to a guy that really understood the law, Nicodemus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the gospel. The Almighty God created us for an incredible love relationship, but sin makes that impossible. We need a heart transplant, and that happens when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, be washed in the water of the Word. Be filled, be refilled, regularly refilled with the Holy Spirit. That's how we can keep that heart soft. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. The Heidelberg Catechism, question two says, how many things are necessary for you to know that in this comfort, you may live and die happily? Three simple things. First, the greatness of my sin and misery. If you never understand that your sin is so incredible to God, the holy God We're kind of dead in the water there. Second, how am I redeemed from all my sins and misery? You need to understand how you're redeemed, how you're made right. That's through a relationship with Jesus Christ where he takes your sin and he gives you his amazing goodness, his grace, his righteousness so that you can be in the presence of God. A transaction happens. In doctor terms, you actually get a heart transplant from the doctor, (laughs) That created it. And third, it says, uh, How am I to be thankful for, to God for such redemption? I just homework later, no time now. Read Titus 3 3 to 7 in about four verses that tells you exactly what I'm talking about in amazing, powerful words that God gave the Apostle Paul and not me. I, trust me, if you read it quietly, it'll make your socks go up and down on your legs. You'll be so excited. Life lesson for the second thing. Just look at the news. Life lesson. Look at the news. 90%, and these are from statistics that I just pulled up, of our news is negative, and the headlines are sensationalized. Everything's driven by money. Even the American pastime baseball is overcome by foreign substances all of a sudden. Stealing signs with garbage cans. <laughs> Cheating at school, cheating on our taxes, cheating on our spouses. Ladies and gentlemen, our sin is as real as our right arms. Look at your right arm. That's how real your sin is. Oh, God, change our hearts today, we pray, amen. Well, thirdly, the human raw cry for justice will result in a new divine creation. Thank God that we have to... We make it through the bad news. There's something that's always there for us, a little hope, if you will, a light in the darkness. In these verses, those last verses, 14 to 18, Jeremiah just like said, I'm gonna let it rip. I'm gonna tell the honest truth, how I'm feeling. By the way, God can handle that when you pray to him, right? Now, sometimes when we talk to each other, you, kinda, you still need to have that filter but if you're with somebody you trust, you can say, can, can I just vent for a minute? You know, I, I, don't, I haven't really thought through all this that I'm thinking right now. I'm just sharing what I'm feeling. But with God, you can just let it rip. And this is recorded later on after he says it. Uh, he had a scribe named Baruch. And he's like, God, look at my misery. Clear my name. Heal my hurt. That sounds like something we would say. You, you people, they're not listening. So let them have it. I like when Steve read that last part, he pauses and he's like, and let it be double destruction. Okay, it's one thing to say, God, destroy them. Well, what does it look like when you're destroyed like double? <laughs> I don't know. It's like ashes turned to what? <laughs> Chaff in the wind. Didn't you learn Judah? Didn't you watch the northern tribes? In 722 B.C., King Hoshea, the king of Assyria, thrashed Samaria. He brought in outside nations to settle and continue this process of carving images and worshiping false deities, idolatry. He says Judah's sin is worse than Israel's sin. How long does it take? How many more times? Transport to the first century AD and listen to the passion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, before the crucifixion. He's on the Mount of Olives looking on. If you've ever visited Israel or seen a video, the Mount of Olives is there. You have a picture of the Temple Mount area. Except when he did it, the temple was there. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he said in Matthew 23, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, double destruction. And we know that 70 AD, the Romans came in and did just that. But listen, there's this little bit of hope. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All this sorrow, all this pain, but yet a ray of light, a smidgen of hope. If you've ever been there in your life, you're like, man, that's all you need is just a little tiny bit of hope. One friend to reach out a hand, that's all it takes. The problem I'm facing, I wrote this at the bottom of the notes if you haven't, is not the problem. I think for most of us, life would be so much simpler if we could like agree with that not just like verbally, but like really in our hearts and our souls and our minds. It's not the problem, because guess what, tomorrow's gonna be another problem. It's always something, the problem is really whether I will trust God. Just shifting your focus, shifting your perspective a little bit, doesn't matter the changing circumstances, Do you have a God that you can trust? He'll find a way to get you through those. Jeremiah said there's this throne set on high from the beginning. It's the place of our sanctuary. He he wouldn't glorify the the physical temple there, the physical throne for the king. He's sneaking in. There's something about something that maybe they all knew deep down and maybe it was just a remnant of the people, but they knew that there's a throne in heaven. And John Tells us about that in his vision in the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21. Man, this is so hopeful. Here we go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, Have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. The life lesson is look at the throne, not the circumstance that you're in, because that'll change from day to day and maybe four times during one day. Look at the throne. And it's really who's on the throne, right? It's not the throne, it's who's sitting on the throne. The Lord. This is our hope, Cornerstone. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. But until that day, each of us, even if you're watching today sitting on the beach somewhere, we have a choice. Will we learn from those who have gone before us? Will we learn from the word of God? It may seem impossible. Your circumstances today may be overwhelming. You may cry every day like Jeremiah did. Even so, through the tears, trust the Lord. That's what living by faith is, folks. Amen? I don't want to be the dry shrub. Okay, we're about done. Look at your pew buddy and tell them, I don't want to be the dry shrub. Look at your other pew buddy and say, I want to be the tree planted by water. I want to be the tree planted by water. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. May it be true in our day Cornerstone family, amen? Yeah. Now, we're going to finish in a little different way today, and I hope that you're okay, so take a deep breath. Whew. Thank you. Today, I'm going to do the prayer and benediction, and then we're going to close with a song, all right? it's something a little bit different, but I still want to do this. And after that song, if, if there's something that you want to pray about, there will be pe- people here that will pray with you but if not if you want to just go out jumping up and down and you can't wait to go look up those verses that I say I gotta go read Titus because I want my socks to go up and down then you can do that too or you can fellowship whatever it is but whatever we're doing we gotta trust the Lord in it so would you receive this benediction please the Lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace a peace that can't be explained amen philippians 4:13 we're going to sing it right now praise god